It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Coming up on this week's show... The giant merger that could benefit soccer leagues and fans. Our thoughts on ESPN's FA Cup final coverage. ESPN reveals their commentators for Euro 2020. Fans return to matches in Europe. Our reaction. NBC announces commentators for the Olympics. And your feedback in the listener mailbag segment. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, joined alongside my co-host Kartik Krishnayar. If you're new to the show, uh, we're your weekly guide for hardcore soccer fans who want to get the best out of soccer viewing options from around the world. So Kartik, let's dive in and uh, what a week it has been for the Goliaths of world football. Atalanta lose in the Coppa Italia final to Juventus. Monaco loses to uh, PSG in the French Cup final. Leicester loses to Chelsea in the Premier League match that ruins the Foxes' um, really good chances of of Champions League uh, qualification, possibly. West Ham slip up in the last few games to offer them a similar plight. And Kartik, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, Eintracht would have been such a nice story if they made Champions League have collapsed in Germany. Uh, so opening the door for Borussia Dortmund, who are there every year. Um, yeah, really bad week. I, I, I'm very depressed. I, I think people who follow me on Twitter or know me uh, know that I uh, I got depressed the second Allison scored that goal for Liverpool. I know it was a massive accomplishment, uh, but I knew, oh, geez, here we go. Now Leicester are going to have to beat Chelsea. I was thinking before they could get through. Look, I don't care if Liverpool or Chelsea make it. Let me just say that. It's not, I'm not anti-Liverpool. It's just I'm anti-Big Six. Um, and I'm anti-Super League. And I'm anti-Big Clubs uh, at this point after what's happened the last few months in football. So we're actually going back to the beginning of the pandemic. So um, I've really hitched my wagon to this Leicester City side this season. And um, uh, they no one talks about their injuries. No one talks about the fact that James Justin was out. Uh, and Luke Thomas made a critical mistake that led to the, to the first Chelsea goal. I mean, if it had been a Liverpool player or a Man City player, we wouldn't hear the end of the guy being hurt. So, um, Atalanta today, we're taping this Wednesday night. That was um, 
the least spirited performance I've seen. Well, in the second half, first half, they were good. Uh, Gasparini had his team set up well, as always, uh, but second half was very depressing. Uh, Monaco, I thought, was going to win uh, the French Cup, and uh, and I'll same old, same old. Uh, but Kartik, the, the, and, I mean, I, I mean, for for myself and, and for a lot of listeners, we'll know you as a fan of Manchester City. None of these clubs are Manchester City, right? So, I, so right. It, it, it's part of. Um, I mean, both you and I, you probably more so. Uh, always want, not always, but uh, oftentimes want the Davids to beat the Goliaths, and. And the reality of world soccer, especially uh, today's world soccer, you're not going to get a Nottingham Forest or a Derby County that's going to go uh, and win the the Premier League um, in the first season up in the division type of thing, right? Or yeah. even look at the European continent, or you look at anywhere around the world, it's it's almost always those big, massive clubs that have all the money usually that win the trophies. So, so ultimately. I mean, is it? Uh, should we be surprised? I mean, really? No. I mean, Leicester winning the FA Cup is a really good thing because actually, even though we hear from people how competitive uh, uh, English football is at the top compared to other countries, cup competitions haven't been. Actually, I, I, you could argue the cup competitions in other countries have been more competitive recently. Uh, the previous 14 uh, uh, tournaments, had, uh, uh, cups had been won in England by four teams, Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea and Arsenal prior to Leicester winning on Sunday. So uh, prior f- previous 14 domestic cups, League Cup and uh, 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 FA Cup. So uh, that was good. That was actually a really good thing. And I was, uh, I mean, I think uh, everyone knew. I, I, I was more into that match and I would be into a Man City match. And I'm actually, uh, I, I think I've been open about it on social media. I'm questioning my own fandom of Manchester City now. That they, uh, there have been things in the past that have gotten me unhappy. And obviously, I, I think I have a very strained relationship with the supporters, particularly in the United States, who I, I think mostly are front runners that just jumped onto this team in the last few years and then have a, a really unhealthy sense of entitlement. Uh, but uh, Super League was just, I, that's just a bridge too far for me. I, I, it's just something that I can't accept, even though they were the last team in the first team out. They still signed the paperwork that Super League never would have gone forward if they hadn't signed up. And same, same for Chelsea, because Chelsea's the other team in that position. Is this what we should expect? Yes. But I think because, Chris, of the Super League. Okay, so a year ago, same thing. year before, same thing. You know, Man City's winning everything. Chelsea's winning everything. Uh, Juventus, Bayern, they're winning everything. Liverpool. PSG. But um, I think because of the Super League happening, what happened, it's made some of people like me, and it's not just me, it's a lot of people. I noticed a lot of people that are not Leicester City supporters were really invested in that FA Cup final. And then I think they probably were equally invested in the match against Chelsea in the Premier League, but didn't didn't express it as because they didn't win uh, as much. But um, the Super League has sent most of us over the top, or many of us. Now, I know, again, it's different in the United States than it probably is in the UK, uh, which is why even in my uh, my debating about the club, uh, about what I'm going to do in terms of being a supporter in the future. I've said, look, I'm, I don't want to abandon the UK Manchester City supporters, so I'm not going to abandon the club completely because the the, 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 the English supporters of Manchester City are still uh, good, working class, 
classic football fans, but it's this globalization has brought on another fan. But I, I don't want to get too far down the well, rabbit hole. Well, the point is, I think people are more angry this year about it, Chris, because of the Super League. That's why we're so upset about the Goliaths always beating David. Yeah, but but in some ways, though, too, I mean, the European Super League, both you and I were vehemently against it. But in some ways, it's a reflection of the state of power in in not just soccer, but in sport in general, where you have these giant clubs that have most of the fans, that have most of the money, have most of the power. And we've seen this too, even with the UEFA Champions League and uh, UEFA uh, adjusting, changing the way that that, that, that is run uh, in the yeah. future. So, I mean, it's one of those things. It's Yes, we're against the European Super League and we hope it doesn't happen. Um, but in some ways, you could say that the Champions League is effectively the, the European Super League. You mean yeah. it's usually the same teams most most years that win it, whether it's a Real Madrid or it is the same teams. You, you know what I mean? So it, it, it is the big club. So so we have it in a way. The the other thing I would say though too about Leicester, and and I know you're going to come back at me at this one, Kartik, but. Last week ends uh, FA Cup final. Fantastic game, a spirited game from start to finish, back and forth. Both teams with plenty of chances to win it, and and really for the first time in many many years, a really entertaining, thrilling FA Cup final. Which usually it's a, bo- a boring game for the most part. In that game, in the in the Premier League game, late in the game, Iosi Perez open goal, just keeper to beat, yeah. and it skies it over over the bar. If that had gone in. This might be a different conversation, wouldn't you think? Yeah, totally different conversation. My my mood would be completely different. I'm I mean I'm not. It's not just about football. I'm depressed. Period. Since uh, Perez couldn't keep that shot down yesterday. I mean, I mean I'm depressed. Period. I mean it's it's a and this is maybe my fault that I'm letting it affect me. It's just professionally and personally. But it's it, it feels like. I've never been. I've always wanted the the, the Davids. You're you're right, uh, Chris. Except when it affects Man City, because I'm a, I'm a City supporter. But um, I, never like this. I've never been this invested in it since the Super League. And I and I again, I don't think I'm alone. I think there's anger about the European Super League among fandom that is not going to go away. And I, I hope the fans of I hope the big club owners realize that and I hope the fans in the United States who even some a lot of the United States based United and Liverpool fans uh, and Arsenal fans that were angry about it moved on the second those teams pulled out it was like okay now let's go sign Mbappe let's go do this let's do so I don't think they quite get the level of anger uh, that 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 people have, and I'm not a Leicester City fan. I mean, a lot of people come back at me like, "Oh, you 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 really should just be a Leicester supporter." I actually don't like Leicester. It's not a club I've historically liked. I, in the Midlands, I prefer a number of clubs, including you know, mentioned Nottingham Forest. Um, it's just that they're 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 the they're the the the, the stalking horse now. The last five years, they're they're the only club strong enough for whatever reason to challenge the top six in England, and that's been the case now for five or six seasons. They're the only club that's got that strength. Uh, maybe because they have a, an owner that's invested a lot and wants to win, right? And now his son. So uh, that's, I think, the great frustration. And then when you talk about the way things are being covered, 
I'm seeing more and more anger about NBC because of one, their big six emphasis, then uh, the way the Super League was covered and then culminating with the Man United thing. So I think a lot of these themes we've hit on even maybe before they were fashionable for us about NBC and the big and the top six in the Premier League and just focusing on that. They're now becoming more commonplace with more people. There are more people privately telling me, you know what, they're not even watching the NBC studio shows uh, because they, they know what it's going to be. I think, though, Kartik, I think uh, for a lot of listeners, I think they have moved on. It, 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 it's, it's hard in some ways for a lot of listeners and a lot of soccer fans. It's hard not to just because, I mean, the conversation has changed. Now it's talking about we're going into this weekend, which is the final weekend of uh, a lot of the European seasons. And it's going down to the very last game. There's title races in France and in Spain and there's Champions League places. Uh, the week after that is Champions League final and Europa League final, and you've got the the playoffs. And before you know it, it's going to be into the Euros and into the Olympics and into Copa America and into the Gold Cup. And then before you know it, it's going to be August again. And then all of a sudden, you know I mean, uh, it's going to be a brand new European season with you know Haaland, who knows where, Harry Kane, who knows where. I mean, transfers, the whole thing. It is one of those things that um, how it's. It, it, I find it interesting how quickly things change and think how things move just because there is that forward progression. I, I guess it's um, for, for for me personally. I'm I'm not depressed about it. I'm, I I can I can understand in terms of the depression about it. I, I just don't see it, anything changing. I mean, it it is yeah. one of those things. I mean, Leicester has come so close. Uh, in those games, uh, and, and between now, now and Sunday, anything could happen. I, last I don't, season I, also, same thing with Leicester, right? It was they were so close last season. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, I mean, I mean, outside of Leicester, I mean, well, let me skip the Premier League for now. But, but what about some parity, though, Kartik? Is is that the argument? Is that how we can get this back to more of an equal playing field? Excuse the pun. Well, I, I think uh, parity in the close league sense, no. But I do think we need to get back to a system where uh, the top six don't get more TV money than the rest of the uh, the rest of the league in, in England. We have to get back to a system where uh, and look, there is a very diff- different cultural difference. Uh, you know, this is a Swansea supporter. So um, in Germany and Spain, teams don't spend like mad in the second division to get promoted because the benefit is it right the, the you don't get this huge benefit for going up. You go up, it's great for your supporters, it's great for your club, but it's not necessarily this financial boon. Similarly, falling out of the division doesn't in Germany or Spain doesn't doesn't destroy you uh, financially. It's interesting to see Mallorca promoted with uh, their American ownership uh, of uh, uh, including Stu Holden and Steve Nash and, and um, Kyle Martino, uh, but they you know they didn't collapse when they were relegated the last time. So. Uh, in England, that's a problem. So I think that it's the distribution of television money. I think if you allow more money to go down the pyramid, instead, Manchester United and Liverpool, I need to remind the listeners this, use the pandemic as an excuse to try and create a new system where they would screw the rest of the pyramid and they would basically uh, keep the, all, the majority of money within nine clubs. They had handpicked three other clubs, which were uh, – I can't even remember who they were now. I, I remember – Noticing Newcastle, Leicester, Aston Villa uh, were not on the list, which would be three clubs I think could be 
the actual threats to them. If ownership changed, or in the case of Lester, they're already a threat. Um, but that they basically were trying to they, they they were trying to keep the TV money within nine clubs. They added three other quote legacy clubs to it, uh, and then uh, you know, really screw the rest of the pyramid. So that's the culture. I'm concerned about now. It's not just, okay, the top six keep winning in, in England. They've been winning, like I said, they'd won the previous 14 uh, domestic cup competitions, even though they're these people who argue that England is the, is so competitive compared to the rest of Europe. And that's four teams. That Spurs and Liverpool haven't won a cup competition in that, that period. So it was just Arsenal, the two Manchester clubs, and Chelsea. And um, my point, the reason I'm, at the, I'm on the edge now, Chris, is that they have spent, they have taken the pandemic and use that as a rationale to try and uh, try and make their already built-in advantage even greater, using it as an excuse. So that's really why I'm angry. Will we ever get enforced parity? Probably not. Um, maybe it was it was fine four or five years ago, as much as you know these same teams were winning all the time. But now they've actually tried to use the pandemic and other clubs suffering, and the fact that their clubs in League One and League Two on the uh, cusp of going out of business. Their clubs in the National League that can't finish their seasons. That's why they're not going to have relegation from the National League this season because it's not fair. They're clubs that don't have the resources to finish their seasons. Uh, and they're using that as an opportunity to say, okay, well, give us more money because we're the ones who drive English football. So that's that's really kind of the crux of it. Yeah, I think uh, in some ways you look at the last 24 to 48 hours and, and you look at uh, most most listeners and viewers probably didn't, didn't even know, uh, watch this one, but, but Brighton beating Manchester City 3-2 in a really entertaining game. Um, I mean, in front of fans, you had... Uh, Sheffield United beat, beating Everton. You had Aston Villa beating Spurs, and, and yes, these are end of the season games. Um, but it is one of those things that, for the most part, some of these leagues are, are not as top heavy as you would suspect. You mean there are games? It, it, it's you mean yeah. West West Ham came close, right? Leicester came close, and these are teams that. Um, you know, I mean, are in a diff- different league in quotation marks than, than Chelsea, Manchester United, uh, Liverpool, uh, etc. You see Arsenal having a difficult year. Um, you mean so? It it is one of those things. I, th- I think. I mean, what about like the days, the, the seasons when it was just Arsenal and Man- Manchester United, like winning, yeah, yeah. winning the season yeah. every almost you mean That's consecutively. Roman Abramovich buying Chelsea was a good thing for English football because it was a duopoly before that, right? Liverpool right. Uh, wasn't really relevant. There was one year they finished second. I remember they got in there and they finished second and they did well in all the cups that year. Uh, but that was like that was one really isolated year where United fell to third. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that United, uh, that Chelsea and City and then really kind of the 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 the, the reemergence of Spurs as, as a as a top club Spurs have always had in terms of supporters base one of the largest in the country but have had some really lean years um, has been good I think a reemergence of Everton would be good if it, if it if it actually happened I do think those things have been good but then there the the, 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 the balance is that the gap now because it's gone from two to six 
that top that top group. The balance between them and the rest of the league is not there. So, uh, like it used to be, because you could get Newcastle into the top four in those days. I remember a year West Ham under Harry Redknapp made a great run. I remember a year Aston Villa under John Gregory made a great run. You you, you won't get that anymore. Uh, similarly, that's why the Bundesliga. Everyone complains Bayern win every year, and I'm complaining too. I think is ridiculous, and it's not. It's terrible for German football, but. The 50 plus one rule has allowed for you know, Eintracht didn't make it this year. That would have been amazing if they had made it because they're a club. I, I would say that would be like West Ham making it. Uh, but there has been more of an open door for, for, for other clubs to compete. Spain, not really. It's usually the same seven clubs competing for four spots for the same seven or eight clubs. Uh, but France, you know, man, I, we, we, I could have a completely different tone a week from now if Lil hangs on. And wins the title. So that's the other thing that happened. Lil drew a game on Sunday, nil-nil at home to San Etienne, uh, with an opportunity to really make it difficult for PSG to catch him. And it was the first game Lil had played against non-top opposition, Leon, Monaco, or PSG all season where they hadn't scored. So it just felt like, uh, and that happened right after the Allison goal for Liverpool. So I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, it's all happening. And then Atalanta lose the cup final, Leicester lose, uh, the Monaco lose. So, so yeah, so, I, it's, it's, it's a depressing, but maybe if Lil wins the Liga, people like me will have a completely <laughs> different mood a week from now. Right, it could be. All right, fingers crossed on that, Kartik. Uh, one more thing about, about this too, this topic, which, which is important. But it makes me question or makes me wonder whether international football, whether national team football, then has more relevance. I mean, this summer, yeah. the Euros, I mean, you've got a national team. So you, so you say it's uh, Hungary in, in a group with uh, France and Portugal and Germany and I mean, wh- whichever country it is, but it's the best of those athletes from that country, country right? So it, it's not a... Uh, it, it, it's well. I guess it does favor uh, certain countries in some ways in terms of you mean the players that play for the you mean I don't know the Barcelonas, the Real Madrids, I mean kind of the, the top clubs versus uh, Hungary. Uh, well, that's a bad example, but 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 you know I mean it, is that is that more of a it, it, would that would that be something that could uh, kind of energize you in terms of, of, of kind of um, more positivity as far as seeing yeah. that happen? Croatia made the uh, World Cup. Finals. Wales made the World Cup semi, uh, the Euro semifinals last time. So I, I think what we're seeing, and I used to complain international football was too predictable. It was the opposite in the past. I said, oh, the same three or four teams win the World Cup. Copa America, it's the same three teams. Other than that time, Colombia won in there in, when people didn't send their top team. It's always Uruguay, Brazil, or Argentina. It's never Argentina anymore. It's always Uruguay or Brazil. Um, or, and then Chile got in there, and that was kind of exciting. They won two Copas. Uh, but now what we're seeing is because – now this is the flip side, Chris, and this may be the benefit of those clubs being so dominant. Because those clubs tend to always have Eastern European players and some players from South American countries that are not um, Argentina, Uruguay, Brazil, uh, the Barcelonas, the Manchester Cities, the Manchester Uniteds. What we've seen is Croatia become a, a world power. What we've seen is Ukraine get better. We've seen Chile win a couple Copa Americas. We've seen Colombia uh, get more relevant in world football. I know they've always had fanatical support, but this is really the best era in terms of Colombia's national team performance, sustained era uh, in, in ever in history. So um, 
I do think that those big clubs then not being completely reliant on domestic players has actually and Byron Byron has been Byron and Juventus to their credit have been like these 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 uh, conveyor belts for players from Poland and, and and Croatia and Serbia Poland's another one right they've really benefited mm-hmm. from really more than anything Byron and Borussia Dortmund being powers in Europe um, so that's actually helped the the, the, the European uh, continental game and the South American continental game has it helped uh, here in North America no it's still Mexico or the US that win everything but maybe that'll change too because look I mean this is this is what's really funny we're having this conversation about Pulisic and then this argument Pulisic uh, is going to win uh, the Champions League if Chelsea wins and then Mexico has only had Rafa Marquez in the Champions League era right not European Cup era and uh, uh, there have been these debates between Mexican fans and US fans and then I finally kind of get went, got in at DM someone and said hey Kaylor Navas has played in four Champions League finals in the last six or seven years, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's Concacaf, but he's not from either country. So yeah, so maybe Costa Rica gets better too because of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The Concacaf nations have definitely uh, prospered from um, higher levels of competition, even playing in clubs um, both both in North America and and, and in Europe. Um, so, so maybe, so maybe the Gold Cup, maybe the Euros, maybe the Olympics um, with the U.S. women there, of course. Um, I mean, there, there is a lot to look forward to um, this summer, and uh, in in many ways, it might be kind of a, a ray of light, a, a ray of uh, optimism or hope that uh, we'll see some some football that that isn't focused on. You mean the big six or the the big two in in, in Germany or or the uh, the one in. in uh, in in, um, in in Germany, for example. All right, Kartik, um, before we move on, a couple of things, first of all. I mean, for me, I mean, this has been happening for a while in Major League Soccer, but fans in the stadium uh, have been a welcome relief. And uh, this past weekend, especially um, in a lot of the European countries, we're starting to see more and more fans in the stadiums. Um, we've seen in different test crowds in France and other countries where they experimented with having fans in the stadium. But it did make a difference because, I mean, mostly the Premier League, of course, um, with a lot of those fans and just uh, even though it's not full capacities yet, it's limited uh, attendance of fans. It makes a difference. It, ma- it makes a difference for the match atmosphere. Uh, it was funny, too, because I think NBC Sports had a graphic on screen for that Leicester against uh, Chelsea game that said something along the lines of uh, uh, all of the sounds in this uh, broadcast are natural. Uh, there's no enhanced sound or no artificial sounds have been added, But uh, which is true. It just it, It's 14 months plus, and, and finally we're having fans back in the stadium, and, and it's a welcome return. Yeah, but I, I, there's an unevenness to this. I think Chelsea now has an advantage on Leicester and Liverpool because of this. Because what's happened is Chelsea had fans back for that critical match. Liverpool drew drop points in a match against Fulham at Craven Cottage uh, earlier in the season, which was the only match day where fans were let back into the stands. And the fans made a big difference in that match. In fact, Fulham probably should have gotten all three points. And then, obviously, Leicester uh, were the victims of, of this Chelsea match. So, um I'm glad they're fans back, but I'm thinking if uh, uh, either Liverpool or Leicester are going to miss Champions League unless Chelsea loses to Aston Villa on uh, on Sunday. And so because of that, I think that there is a little bit of an asterisk for me because and there was no way to do it evenly. Right. That was the problem. 
But um, Liverpool dropped two points to Fulham. They probably wouldn't have dropped if it had been an empty ground. Uh, and uh, they uh, Leicester, Chelsea. I, you know, I think the supporter, you even saw at the end of the match the, the, what what, yeah. what happened. So, um, But, yeah, it's great to have them back. I think the other thing we've learned is uh, 5,000, 7,000, they can, they can make the same uh, amount of sound uh, through your television as 40,000. Uh, and that's something we learned actually that match day because it was that Fulham Liverpool match where I said, "Oh my goodness, is the cottage full?" This sounds and you know, it was what whatever they let in like five thousand, mm-hmm. uh, but it was or no, I think it was less than that. I think it was like thirty five hundred or four thousand, but they made a huge difference. So that's um, that's something that's really really exciting. I think it was the same thing. I would say even in this uh, Coppa Italia final in the uh, um, uh, in in uh, which which match in Germany did they have fans? It was the. Uh, um, Oh, the Dortmund the, against uh, the, the German Cup final, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So it, it yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I wasn't as, um, as down on it as you were. The fans not being in, uh, being there, but now I can already feel the, the difference. So it's great that they're back. Um, but I, I think I, 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 I like the tension. I like the tension that the ads, the pressure that they put on the referees, uh, the uh, the, yeah. the pressure that they put on the players. I mean, I think in many ways. Um, I mean, one one example of, of of many from this past week was just even Barnsley against Swansea in that first leg, and uh, Daryl DK uh, actually, and Jamie Vardy did it too. Just like uh, looking at the crowd and just trying to get them pumped up, and kind of uh, almost like saying, "Come on, come on, get behind us." Uh, in both of those cases, it did didn't help, but it did create an extra level of sound, and and uh, th- and that was great to see because for for a lot of these fans. This is the one and only chance this season to see their their team actually in person. So, Karthik, yeah. what about what about uh, the uh, ESPN FA Cup final uh, coverage? I, to be honest with you, I, I did not watch a lot of the pregame or postgame, but the actual commentary set itself with John Champion and uh, Taylor Twellman, I think they're getting into a good groove. And for me, I, I thought that their commentary about the game was very good. I mean, it also helped that this game was entertaining and uh, i mean really really intense from beginning to end um i really really enjoyed watching this one but what about you what 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 are your thoughts about uh, espn's coverage yeah i thought they i thought they were they were really good i mean uh uh, th- there is a, a, a tendency of uh, of Taylor Twelman to to, 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 to to people think it's to be negative, but he's also picks up on tactical things quickly. I think he actually really did pick up on uh, Ioze Perez's lack of impact in the first twenty minutes. Rogers made a strange selection decision, which was Perez over Madison. Um, and, and and it didn't seem to be paying off the first 20 or 25 minutes. It did pay off eventually. And then he made an even stranger decision not to play Iannaccio on Tuesday, which I guess when it comes down to it, just backtracking a second, Chris, everybody is going back to that saying, hey, you're you're, you're lamenting about Leicester, but Rodgers very clearly made a selection error. And that uh, in the se- and, and who knows if Iannaccio picked up a knock on in the FA Cup final, but, uh, but whatever the case, um, I thought ESPN was really good um, – End to end. So basically, pre-match, they have Neta Manua, who's one of my uh, favorite players uh, of recent times. Of uh, you know, Man City uh, went to QPR from Man City after being in the academy, and then uh, from QPR came to MLS. Now uh, pundit for ESPN FC and Alexis Nunez pitch side, um, which we haven't gotten to see much of right mm-hmm. uh, recently. And then uh, really f- packed, 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 packed 
uh, studio show. Dan Thomas hosting. Craig Burley. Look, I still don't get why people – maybe people just don't like honesty. Burley hits so many like, critical points that other – pundits don't hit and even like these people we consider i don't want to get into names in this podcast so people we consider oh that's the best co-commentator best best pundit uh again he was he was spot on on almost everything he said during this uh this uh, studio show pre halftime post uh i really like luis garcia nice addition uh to the espn fc team a, a player that uh i know liverpool fans love i learned that uh, firsthand being in nasl we had a uh, one of our teams played a friendly against uh, Pumas when Luis Garcia, Luis Garcia went to Pumas. And um, a, a full probably third of the crowd was were wearing Liverpool kits. You know, <laughs> that's how much – that's what I love about Liverpool. Their supporters love their their former players, right? They'll never forget those guys. Yeah. So once Liverpool fans in the States found out a team in Mexico, which Luis Garcia was now playing for, was coming to, to, to play an NASL team, they showed up. Um, but he was very good. I, I, you know, Frank LaBeouf has really grown on me in the last two years. I think he's become really solid, kind of brutally honest in a in a Burley-esque way. Um, so I really and, and, and Klinsman has added a lot, too. So I, I thought they were fantastic. This is the sort of thing, though, Chris, I, I hate I mean, we sound like a broken record. I hate saying it every week. But I, when these when these cup matches are on ESPN. FA Cup matches and League Cup matches, uh, and they do this in the studio. You just you realize what NBC was and what they're not anymore. They used to give you this level of of detail of coverage and, and pregame. Maybe they marketed it. Maybe they've actually had market research that shows the U.S. audience isn't interested in this kind of deep dive analysis. I, I, maybe that's the case, um, or they've just mail, mailed it in. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think I think part of it about NBC is that. Um they haven't really changed a lot since they started the Premier League uh, coverage in what 2013. So it's been uh, like eight years, almost eight years of coverage that has pretty much had a similar formula. And in the beginning, it was refreshing because it was so different and it was so good. And then over the last couple of years, I think in terms of just um, budget cuts, it has to be budget cuts because there's far less talent that's available. Yes, COVID's an impact. part of the uh, equation but it covid is part of the equation for everyone but i think in many ways that um we've gotten so so used to their coverage that it has become boring and when we probably watched well every single minute uh, of the first few seasons of their coverage and just ate it up and just loved it and and now it's become stale and there's it, nothing nothing bad about nbc's coverage it's still much better than a lot of the other broadcasters but I think uh, when you compare it to ESPN or CBS, the the advantage that CBS has is is it's a new approach, it's fresh faces, it's different formats. Uh, it is still has that that new car smell. Uh, while with um, I think with ESPN, they've got so many different pundits available to them, um, and it's a completely different types of format and analysis, uh, deep dive, more news reporting, and and they've got some some of the best talent in terms of you know gab mccarty and 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 julian lorenz and some of these others that are just some of the best in the business at what they do so i mean i mean speaking of the premier league too i mean one more thing about that from this past week and that was that chelsea leicester premier league match um midweek and it was interesting because um all the midweek games 
and all of the games this weekend uh, are on Peacock, as well as select games on television. So you, you still may have some of these games on NBCSN, but uh, whether it's on television um, or not, it's it's always, it, well, this past week and, and this weekend, it's going to be on Peacock too, I think just as an uh, easier way to find the games. But on the Peacock streams of the games that they had on television, so the Chelsea-Leicester game as one example, they had the world feed, and I think in many ways, if NBC doesn't renew the rights to the Premier League for um, 2022 onwards, um, the world feed is, is very acceptable. The The world feed in this case, uh, instead of uh, Ola White and Lee Dixon, which is on NBCSN, we got Peter Drury and Karen Carney. And Peter Drury, to me, one of the best commentators in the world, hands down. Karen Carney, who is really good. She's really, really energetic, um, offers some really good critical analysis, tactical analysis, uh, doesn't mess around, straight to the point. And it's actually refreshing. She's been really, really good. And I've been really impressed. And then at halftime, you've got uh, a quick roundup of uh, the the highlights and, and any scores from any other games. And you had Steve Banyard who is a staple of Premier League football for you know, over a decade, uh, hearing his voice and giving a halftime update. And then also then he had a, had a quick segment talking about uh, the Premier League footballers from Northern Ireland. They did a piece about Keith Gillespie, who used to play for Newcastle United, um, and I think Blackburn too. But but a piece talking interviewing um, Northern Irish uh, footballers and talking about the Northern Ireland influence in not just the Premier League, but even before the Premier League in uh, top flight English football. And I was watching all of this and I was thinking to myself, this is refreshing. This is different. This is this is not what we're used to. This is something that we don't get to see because normally when a game's on on uh, NBCSN, there's there's nothing available on Peacock. It's just NBCSN or or else. That's all we have. Um, but it did give me, I mean, another glimpse at what 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 we're missing. And if CBS or ESPN or who, well, well, we'll get to that in a little while. If somebody else other than NBC got the rights, they could rely more heavily on the world feed because it is good. There's it, it nothing wrong with it. It's not like uh, the world feed for some other leagues and competitions. It is high, high quality. What, what you're missing is the heart and soul of um, the local broadcast. So if it is a, a, I don't know, Lee McHugh from Stamford, Connecticut, uh, NBC host talking about, I don't know, an American subtext or American story, an American influence in the Premier League. You're not going to get that from the world feed. But I, I thought it was I thought it was a breath of fresh air this week, Kartik. Did you, did you catch any of it? No, I didn't. Steve Banyard is, is one of my favorites. I hear him more often than not now on Serie A matches, not really on Premier League matches. And Karen Carney, I love. I, she was actually one of my favorite players, and I thought she'd make a good pundit also because uh, she was such a great interview. Uh, it, it, she uh, was a top-level player, by the way, for those who don't know. She was really good by the time she was 18, and, and sometimes players are late bloomers, sometimes they aren't. She uh, And she's been part of every England setup, uh, I think, up until World Cup 2019, obviously she won't be 
part of Team GB at the Olympics. She's not his player. Uh, Chelsea, really the growth of Chelsea, who now uh, you know, they got smashed in that Champions League final. That, that was another thing I watched this week against uh, Barcelona. But the growth of Chelsea as a women's football club, a lot of it ran through Karen Carney. So I have a lot of time for her, and I think she's just proven to be this phenomenal pundit. I mean, really kind of gets uh, gives you the kind of um, deep dive analysis that we like Danny Higginbotham for and Craig Burley for in here on stateside. Uh, and uh, she's giving that to the UK audience and the world audiences now. You said she was on the world feed. I mean, yep. She's been on a lot of UK broadcasts. But yeah, that's 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 phenomenal. And uh, she's a recently recently a star player. So so she may actually be more in tune with some of uh, those things than than players that retired a long time ago so yeah i i, I would love to hear uh, uh more of uh, I, w- I was happy the one broadcast we got where they they brought us um i think it was peter drury and, and karen carney on the world feed uh, nbc did that for uh, national uh, for international women's day that's why they did that but mm-hmm. um they uh I, I would like to hear hear more of her and i would love, love to see more banyard and just different kinds of features because i think what's ended up happening is for people like us who want deeper dives, more color, more history. Uh, we're doing a lot of, uh, 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 of YouTubing and trying to find old YouTube clips. And also, to be honest with you, Chris, this recent Panini sticker obsession and top sticker obsession of mine has to do a lot with that, which is going back and looking at those years in the Premier League and the Bundesliga and Euros and Copa Americas, uh, the World Cups also, uh, but uh, in those competitions and trying to remember things because there isn't much discussion of of the history of the game in a lot of these broadcasts, and we forget things. Unless mm-hmm. those top players become pundits, we forget things. I mean, I was even uh, forgetting how uh, – and this is crazy when you think about it, how recent it was, how good – even though they didn't win anything, how good the core of the Dutch team was from 2008 to 2014. Uh, and those were all guys – most of those guys played in the Premier League, right? But I had forgotten – they had Van Persie, Van de Vaart, Robin, Huntelaar, that they had all these guys, uh, Schneider, mm-hmm. uh, all at the same time. <laughs> because yeah. just as time moves on, you forget things and you and all the years come together. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would love to have features like that on American television. So, so t- Gillespie, that's a great, great name. Yeah, 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 a great footballer. Uh, that, two things, first of all, Kartik. First of all, I mean, this is a rhetorical question uh, to you and the, and the listeners. But when was the last time that NBC Sports surprised us? When did they catch us off guard? Where we're like, oh my gosh, what a great segment that is! Or what? That's interesting. That's different. They haven't done that before. I can't think of that. I mean, it's probably you know, been over a year. It's been probably a couple of years. It's been a long time. Maybe one of the fan fests when they was in Boston at Fenway Park, and uh, that was different. But that was a long time ago. And again, you mean, fan fest aside, COVID aside, it's been a long time since they've really just really got us really, really excited about the coverage they've, they've done. And, and then the second thing, I mean, going not, not to go too deep into this um, on this podcast, but what I found myself doing quite a bit lately, Kartik, uh, speaking of Panini uh, stickers, is when I'm watching a game, and sometimes it's a boring game, but I'm... I'm half watching half listening 
and then my other brain or the other half of my body is, is going ahead and putting in panini stickers into albums and kind of sorting that and it's it's actually i find it really really relaxing and really kind of comforting to do that um and for me it's uh especially for a game that's not as exciting and it can be any game any league you name it it's just really pleasurable i find to do those two things together because i'm still in that soccer uh centric uh place where i'm looking at names and players and sometimes it's from a different decade sometimes it's a rare sticker whatever it may be but uh personally i i just love love that side of things now, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. And uh, first up is some interesting news for our listeners. I'll have you kick it off. Yeah, so uh, commentators for uh, ESPN's Euro uh, were announced earlier uh, this week. And that's just commentators, okay? That's not the studio. Uh, so let's keep that in mind. So if there's a person whose name is not on the list that you want to see, uh, that's uh, because uh, they may be in the studio. So, um you have Taylor Twelman and John Champion as 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 the as the presumed top team. Ian Dark and Stu Robson. Uh, that was a team that we we heard also in uh, 2016 uh, as a uh, as one of the teams. Uh, uh, Derek Ray and uh, and Efinokoku. And you know Efinokoku is a guy that um, was one of the 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 lead commentators uh, for Premier League matches. Circa 2007, 2008, 2009. He's recently made – he'd faded. He's recently made a comeback. I, I think he's phenomenal. Uh, Steve Cangelosi, uh, who is the voice of the Red Bulls and uh, obviously of, uh, uh, does other things on MSG uh, Network, he uh, uh, will be doing his first major tournament uh, for ESPN. Uh, he's done – Serie A. He did. He's done Serie A at various networks through the years. So a lot, a lot of Serie A. I think every network that's had Serie A has had Cangelosi do games at one point. BN, Goal TV, uh, maybe, maybe not Fox. Uh, so he'll be there, uh, uh, and, and uh, with Ali Moreno, who's a familiar face for, for ESPN viewers, and then um, Mark Donaldson and Matteo Bonetti, who have been the top Serie A team the three years. Uh, ESPN has set Serie A. Uh, Ross Dyer in today for Coppa Italia and for the final match day uh, of Serie A because uh, Mark Donaldson is doing uh, PGA Championship uh, golf, I believe, or doing golf mm-hmm. uh, of some sort this week. So, uh, uh, but Donaldson Benetti back together for uh, the the, uh, the the Euros. Now, if you uh, if you don't, uh, if there's a name you think should be on there, they might be in the studio. So just yeah. uh, keep that in mind. Those are just the commentary teams because I know there was some reaction. This one's missing. That one's missing, and um, it's that's just the commentary teams. Yeah, what's important to add here is that Ian Dark and Stuart Robson are going to be commentating the games live from Wembley Stadium. So they, they benefit from already being in the UK, you mean living and working there. Um, and that'll be good to see because there'll be fans in the stadium. We'll have Ian Dark, you know, fantastic commentator. Stuart Robson, I think your favorite and my favorite yeah. too in terms of a co-commentator. Just high, high level. And then the rest of the crew are... You mean the names that we would expect to see? I, I guess um, really the only difference here is the Steve Cangelosi, but then we have to remember that uh, I mean, four years ago it would, it would have been Adrian Healy. So Adrian Healy's moved on to Austin FC. So so Cangelosi fitting into this one. No no big surprises here. Um, and um, with COVID too, um, most of these games are going to be called off the monitor from Bristol, Connecticut. And I have no issue with that, uh, given everything that's been going on. 
going back four years ago, Kartik, do you remember? I don't know if you, I'm not sure if you remember here. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you remember one name that was a co-commentator uh, at that time that was um, a big deal? And I'm not sure if you remember. It was, In 2016, I remember Abby Wambach debuting with their and, – and not really doing very well in the studio. Uh, they had Julie Foudy in the studio. Co-commentary. Taylor Twelman did both co-commentary and the studio. Do you remember? And he, he, he and – he and Stu Robson were both doing both, right? Stu Robson was in the studio. Right. And they had that issue because there, there were labor issues in, in France, as there often are. Uh, um, right. and, Strikes. Yeah, so the studio was – so a co-commentator that I'm not thinking of. Uh, oh, boy. Um, it, it's, uh, so, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's uh, Kate McGrath. Oh, right. Of course. And at the time, right. that was a big deal because that was the, the first time ever that we had a female co-commentator commentating um, at that level. And Kate McGrath, of course, now working for U.S. Soccer Federation. But um, but that was the big deal back then. But, but, but she, to, um, Go ahead. Yeah. And, she, and Kate McGrath is, is, is one of my favorite – was one of my favorite uh, analysts of women's football too because she gets a lot of kind of the technical side – um, in fact, Kate McGrath being at U.S. Soccer should make everyone feel really good this week because she's the person – she's probably the most prominent American who predicted the rise of the Dutch and the Spanish in women's football. Talked about it very openly and said we need to get our act together to compete with them. A lot of people were poo-pooing that. Barcelona, that, that, that massacre you witnessed on Sunday, that's Dutch and Spanish women's football. Mm-hmm. On display, so McGrath, uh, thankfully, is leading the U.S. ship now because she's she's going to be able to she's she's probably been proactive in taking steps to keep the U.S. Uh, on top of those two countries. But yeah, brilliant. She's she's a brilliant voice. I miss her as a co-commentator, but um, she is uh, doing maybe more important things now. We would say. So uh, next news item, and this is a huge deal in the the world of uh, sports business and and, and in uh, media, really, was that uh, this week the the news was announced that AT&T is going to spin off WarnerMedia. And WarnerMedia, when you think WarnerMedia, I mean, just a massive media company, but uh, uh, CNN, uh, Turner Sports, etc., HBO. And it's going to be combined with Discovery. Now, Discovery in the United States, for most people, when we think Discovery, we think of um, science and nature documentaries or th- those types of things. But Discovery is a massive company. Uh, yeah, they have its own streaming service. But in, in Europe, they own uh, Eurosport, which is one of the uh, one of the big uh, TV soccer networks or sports networks in in, in Europe. And uh, at a press conference this week, in terms of how big this deal is, Discovery CEO said that the combined company, so the Warner Media slash Discovery, which uh, the combined company uh, doesn't have a name yet, but may have a name in a week or two, but the combined company will spend twenty billion dollars a year on content, and that compares to Netflix, uh, who is scheduled to spend seventeen billion dollars a year in content. So these are two massive media companies coming together, Warner Media and Discovery, and making a massive play for streaming. 
this is this is a streaming future. They're looking at ways to um, whether it's keeping HBO Max separate from, say, a Discovery Plus, or perhaps maybe even creating its own sports streaming network, um, or creating different packages, uh, different things. There's a lot of possibilities there. AT and T is going to get forty three dollars, <laughs> forty three dollars, forty three billion dollars in cash for this deal. Uh, the one caveat about this is that the deal is expected to close uh, with regulatory approval um, in mid-year 2022. Now, Kartik, 2022 mid-year is a key point in time in the near future. I mean, just over a year away. But uh, at that time, I mean, that's that's going to be right before the new Premier League season starts um, with a new, well, either with NBC or a new rights holder. And also, it's uh, timing-wise, is good for Major League Soccer with their TV deal uh, running out in 2022. So timing-wise, if Warner Media slash Discovery wanted to make a play in the soccer streaming wars and wanted to try to acquire either the Premier League um, and or Major League Soccer, do you, do you think they they could do it? And do you think that they would be interested? Yes, yes, and yes. I, I think that this is a, a potential player that's going to pay, maybe overpay, hit MLS's uh, target number, and uh, and and secure the rights or, or portion of the rights. Now, are they going to be able to go after the Premier League? Uh, that's a whole nother question. Now, it's also important to know that Discovery had a bid for the Liga 1 rights domestically in France in January. Just what three months ago they didn't table a high enough um they didn't table a high enough number for um for them to get the right so in fact the rest of this season is on bn and well it's only one more match day now but bn and uh, and canal plus uh and that will then be up for bid again i i think discovery discovery was bidding against amazon prime and uh disown Dizone is also a player in all this, right, in this sort of space uh, for those French domestic rights. I would expect them to have at least a one in three shot of getting them. So I, I think that they're trying to secure domestic rights. Uh, Discovery already had a, a company philosophy through Eurosport, through some of their other uh, – Discovery owns a bunch of ch- – uh, uh, Linear channels also in Europe, uh, which I think many people don't realize. Um, and also connected to soccer, the Hendrick family, of course, founded the Discovery Networks, and, and they were um, instrumental in, in the women's professional game in this country in, in, the, uh, in the first uh, two leagues professional leagues we had a lot of their money was behind it and, and maybe even nwsl but certainly wps and wusa so natural connections to soccer with discovery taking that pro that very kind of interest in soccer attitude marrying it with with at&t you know time warner communications who with the exception of the brief foray into uh champions league have not really had an interest in soccer will be interesting because i think discovery already naturally had a very keen interest in this sport uh at&t not so much but um we'll see which which wins out i think it will be discovery's philosophy and they're going to go after rights particularly mls yeah, and twenty billion dollars a year on content. When we say content, um, that includes sports programming. So we know that Warner Media already acquired some of the rights to NHL games, and yes. uh, whether those will be shown on HBO Max or 
or a bundle maybe in a year from now that Warner Media and Discovery come together and create its own sports bundle that's a, a sports streaming package that has the NHL and other leagues or competitions from around the world. I mean, it's, it is one of those things. I mean, we know that Warner Media, of course, were in the uh, had the rights uh, just a couple of years ago to the UEFA Champions League. That didn't work out, but uh, there has been interest in Major League Soccer. And I think in many ways, the Premier League and Major League Soccer, they must be licking, licking their lips right now, thinking, OK, this is great. We can have some discussions with them. Uh, with the, with this uh, Warner Media slash Discovery, and maybe use them as leverage in some ways to try to increase the the bidding war for the Premier League um, and Major League Soccer. So timing wise, I'm actually very bullish on the Premier League and uh, and Major League Soccer, even despite all of the financial issues in terms of COVID and the impact of that. Uh, it, it is that. Still, to this point, live sports is massive um, for any lot of these streaming wars where they want to acquire subscribers. That's all. That's what it's focused on. That's why ESPN paid one point four billion dollars for the rights to La Liga. It's all about trying to acquire people to sign up for ESPN Plus. Um, yeah, this is massive news, and and uh, I'm sure in the near future we'll be talking about this pretty closely. And then, Kartik, real fast, just uh, before we move on to the next segment, NBC's announced the soccer t- commentators yeah. for uh, Tokyo, yeah. um, for the Olympics, and uh, Ola White, uh, Julie Foudy, which is a surprise because uh, a great analyst, uh, having worked at uh, ESPN quite a bit. And then uh, Derek Ray, uh, Mark Followill, Jen Hildreth, uh, and then you got Robbie Earle and Robbie Musto and Tim Howard as um as maybe co-commentators, but maybe uh, also talent. Uh, Daniel Slayton, who's a, a great name that we know very, very well. Uh, any surprises there? Any, any, you mean, any, anything pop out at you? Yeah, uh, Lisa Byington, who I, I think has really had a rapid rise, and she's really good, in my opinion. I'm happy to see her uh, as part of the team. Jen Hildreth, who's been doing uh, U.S. women's games and, and NWSL, and before that WPS for years, kind of the, one of the signature voices of women's uh, women's soccer in the U.S. In, at the professional level, uh, getting an opportunity to do the Olympics. I think that's really, really good. Obviously, uh, she's now adds NBC to her resume line. She's called women's soccer on F. FS1, uh, Fox Big Network, ESPN, Lifetime, CBS, and now NBC. So I, is there anyone, anyone missing on that <laughs> roster? I don't think so. Um, so uh, good for her. And then uh, uh, I think there was another name that stood out. I, I'm blanking out now. Uh, that was uh, – oh, yeah. So all the Premier League guys, Earl Musto and, and, and uh, Howard, will be there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's one of those things, though, too, for the Olympic soccer tournament, uh, both the men's and women's. Uh, these games start in late July. Uh, we know on the women's side, the U.S. Uh, team qualified. We know on the men's side, unfortunately, the U.S. Um, missed out in qualification. But still, it's going to be... I mean, the Olympics are definitely a fantastic event. Soccer-wise, I, I, I watch the games and definitely hoping that the U.S. will win the gold medal. It'll be the fifth medal if they can do it. On the other side is uh, Telemundo. So Telemundo is going, ha- going to have a strong package of games also. So many of the games will be on uh, Universo. Uh, we don't know yet on the English language side where those games will be, but um, I'm sure they're, they're going to be on television. Maybe some of them on Peacock too. Telemundo, what's interesting about Telemundo is that they're going in big time 
on the Olympics and, uh, and soccer. They've got uh, Andres Cantor, you uh, I mean just one of a kind, one of the best commentators in the country, and Manuel Sol are going to call the games from Japan. They're going. So, which is big, big news. Um, NBC, as far as I know, uh, didn't say anything about going to uh, Japan and actually being on site. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But uh, oh, and- well, well, that's. Be- I was going to say that's because Mexico. There's this, this, this. I think delusional hope. But Mexico has won a gold medal before in men, so I shouldn't poo-poo it. This hope that Mexico uh, wins uh, the gold medal. Yeah, but, so but, there's but we have a, to hope a lot that- of excitement. Yeah, but yeah. we have to hope that no. the West, U.S. women win the gold medal too. I mean, hope- well, no, no, but I'm thinking from Telemundo's perspective. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. Mexico, that's my point. So uh, I actually think Honduras has the best men's team uh, at the youth level or at the U23 level in CONCACAF. And I actually am going to go out on a limb and say I think uh, Honduras may go further than Mexico in this tournament. No one would expect that. But um, uh, that's who I'm going to be watching and cheering for since the U.S. isn't there as Honduras. And, um, yeah, and the U.S. women, of course, we're, we're, we're pulling for them on the women's side. But I think Telemundo's commitment mm-hmm. is because there is a lot of talk, a lot of hype that Mexico is going to win this gold medal. Mm. Yep, it'll be interesting for definitely to watch. And uh, we've seen that happen before. We saw that in the London Olympics. And uh, yeah, it should be really, really entertaining. Um, TV ratings, we just got one from this past weekend, and that was uh, Cincinnati against Inter-Miami. Uh, this game was live on Fox uh, for the opening of the their new stadium in Cincinnati. Um, it was 347,000 viewers on uh, Fox over the air. And then, uh, actually, the bigger number was uh, on Fox Deportes, which was 374,000 viewers. Collectively combined there, that's 721,000 viewers, a big number for, uh, for that MLS game. Listener Mailbag, edition by Relegation, says, I, I agree that the crowds are influencing my decision to watch Major League Soccer over European leagues. Matches without fans have run their course. I'll take the atmosphere over quality on the pitch at this point. The entertainment value is higher. Helps that I have Nashville uh, Soccer Club uh, local to me. Chris Guardino says, I was busy with work last week and wasn't able to comment on the pod, but I am back back this week. In my view, La Liga is going, uh, going to ESPN pretty much ends ESPN's interest in going after the Premier League for one important reason. It would be too difficult for ESPN with all of the top leagues that they cover, either, even though uh, Serie A is leaving after the, the season, to dedicate the time and atten- attention the Premier League wants from a broadcaster, no matter how much money that ESPN has to acquire the rights. This is why NBC benefits greatly in terms of retaining the Premier League because they can go to the Premier League and say, if you leave us for either ESPN or CBS, you will be treated as a secondary league by them because they have Serie A, the Bundesliga and La Liga. Also, NBC does not have any other soccer rights besides the Premier League and some Chivas games and some women's Super League games. I say this even though, like you guys, I find NBC's Premier League coverage to be below average at best and appalling at worst, especially in the last few weeks. La Liga going to ESPN also has an effect on the new MLS TV deal because it could mean that MLS could be leaving ESPN, which would be unthinkable given the fact that they have been partners from the very beginning. The reason why I think that this could be a real possibility is because MLS would get upset at ESPN for putting more focus on the Bundesliga and La Liga when it comes to coverage and especially matches on ABC that draw high ratings. If there are more La Liga and Bundesliga matches on ABC next year than MLS matches, 
MLS is leaving ESPN, in my view. Uh, as for Fox, they would likely stay as a TV partner for MLS and CBS, and Turner would bid for the portion of the deal that ESPN had. Considering the fact that the NHL got a large amount of cash from Turner in their, their new deal, MLS would probably want something similar from them, which is why I think Turner will get uh, will get it, as opposed to CBS if ESPN is somehow out of the new MLS TV deal. Keep up the good work. Mukata says, uh, I think the Premier League would be best off with ESPN. Premier League is already the top English language soccer league in the US. They are the one league that can afford to be the one to be the one uh, the same channel with every other league because it will naturally take precedence. The only way the Premier League can screw this up is to choose the wrong broadcaster, just like La Liga did for the last few years, who makes it difficult, expensive and complicated to watch the games. This is exactly what NBC has done the last 18 months, and it won't get any better. I don't care how much you market the league. If you need a $40 cable subscription to get the games, most younger fans will watch something else or pirate it. I don't know why the Premier League would care that much about the attention or the focus a broadcaster pays them. NBC gives them 100% attention now, and like Chris mentioned, the broadcast might as well be the world feed anyway at this point. I don't say this to Slate NBC. They did a tremendous job in the early years, but I'm a huge Premier League fan, and somehow I've watched more Bundesliga this year than Premier League, simply because it's on ESPN+. The Bundesliga and La Liga on ESPN multicast? I won't watch the Premier League on NBC in a head-to-head matchup with that unless my team is playing. ESPN is also well, well known for pushing their properties. Does the Premier League want to be popping up in ads for a despised streaming service while La Liga is on Sports Center every night? Like Carl mentioned, ESPN has half a dozen channels. They could make room on one or two for Premier League games if people really wanted them on TV. I think you have to be nuts not to go with ESPN unless someone is paying you quite a, bu- a bit more. I just don't think ESPN will outbid NBC, unfortunately. Classic, what do you think? So we had a uh, kind of a, a con ESPN and a pro ESPN as far as uh, NBC's, um, as, as far as the Premier League's uh, chan- uh, outlook of going with them or not. Yeah, they were both kind of anti-NBC's coverage, but they were more, but they were taking, they were saying that 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 they were taking different angles in terms of how that affects the next negotiation. Yeah, I uh, I'm in the same boat, right, with La Liga on ESPN doing the multicasting, and also I know people who are just loving the fact that they're seeing Bundesliga on Hulu now. Uh, and La Liga will be there next year. But then the multicasting I've been doing with Serie A, Serie A will be uh, gravitating, obviously, to, to CBS. Um, I, I don't. I think the Premier League is really segregating its audience from everyone else. And, and to a large extent, that's always been the case because um, American Premier League fans are very, like, very much, I've said this before, like SEC football fans, they're into their league. They think their league's the best. They don't, they look down upon everything else. They don't care about anything else. But that's still kind of, there's a ceiling on growth with that, right? Mm-hmm. I think what you're seeing is all other soccer fans are going to gravitate to CBS or ESPN. And now with the La Liga news, uh, with La Liga and Bundesliga on the same channel, uh, 
or the same streaming platform that gives you the multicast, as we've talked about. You've written an article about. We've talked about on this show. Uh, I even I think we had in my show notes for today. You know, the multicast was unbelievable with all the simultaneous kickoffs in the Bundesliga this week. Same thing. It'll be the same thing this week with that in Serie A. That um, I think that there's a ceiling. The Premier League hits if it's not on ESPN. So that's and they may have already well, hit that ceiling. Unless unless it's CBS and because I think that ceiling. Oh yeah 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 yeah. It has to be on one of those. Sorry, because CBS has the other soccer stuff. So it's got to be on one of those two if they're not going to hit a ceiling, in my opinion. Right. So there's a couple of more comments from our listeners too. Fetchin says, I think the Premier League is best off staying with NBC. NBC needs the Premier League like um, more, though, more than the other way around. If someone was to bid, I would say Discovery Plus, Apple TV Plus or HBO Max can be a dark horse since they have the NHL rights and Amazon Prime possibly. Uh, Paramount Plus could be a factor too. ESPN a plus has too many soccer rights and they need to focus on the quality that they have on there since the leagues might feel they are uh, getting less TV time because of the other leagues that are on ESPN. NBC's coverage is above average, but the way they have been the, fa- the last few weeks is a nightmare. The reason I'm not too confident uh, in the Premier League going to Paramount Plus is because they are a English league. NBC and Sky Sports are close. Uh, Paramount Plus would most likely get MLS and grow the game in America since they have the Argentine League, Serie A, CONCACAF, Nations League and the Champions League and Europa League. I said before that there are talks that IndyCar could go to CBS, uh, CBS Sports Network and Paramount Plus. But if I had to choose where the Premier League will go away from NBC to bid the most money, it's Amazon Prime Video. They would be number one since uh, they stream matches in the UK. Apple TV Plus is number two because they have over 40 million subscribers, surprisingly, and they need more content. Discovery Plus comes third and HBO Max comes fourth. But overall, I believe the Premier League will stay on NBC. Dan N says, or Dan, uh, just real quickly ahead. on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So now Discovery Plus and HBO Max, we have to combine. So right. that's kind of the game changer, as we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, I fetch and I, I assume wrote this before Monday. Yeah. Um, that was uh, that was that was startling news to wake up to on a Monday morning. So uh, uh, keep that in mind. So continue. Sorry. That's OK. Uh, Dan says going to disagree with a couple of folks here with the. With ESPN being an option, I'll bite my tongue if proven wrong in the future. The Premier League is arguably the most valuable league in the world, and the and the U.S. and and the U.S. and the league itself knows that there is no foreseeable way they will allow themselves to say, uh, share the same room as the Bundesliga and La Liga at the same time on ESPN and its properties. This is without mentioning the vast amount of other sports properties they will surely prioritize first. It certainly is great for us, the consumer, to have everything all in one app. But as someone else noted, that is a quantity over quality consideration. Say what you want about NBC's coverage these days, but NBC has no other properties and they're losing some as well. So they can invest, uh, invest as much as they want into the Premier League. At least with CBS and Paramount Plus, the Champions League and Europa League are on weekdays and they only had to share that with one major league, Serie A, rather than two during the weekends. I expect a NBC renewal or a CBS uh, Paramount Plus pickup, hoping no other outsiders 
outsiders shock us. And I would be astonished if ESPN managed to snag snag those rights. I could certainly live with it, but looking at optics, it just doesn't make sense. Um, CT Blues says, or Connecticut Blues, maybe, I don't know. Hey, hey Gaffer, could Discovery Plus be a sleeper for the Premier League rights to help drive subscribers to its streaming platform? Discovery could add a Eurosport section to the service. The big problem would be losing a network that has a over-the-air station. So, yeah, yeah. even though they have the money, I mean, Discovery Plus and WarnerMedia, um, that over-the-air access is huge, right? So whether it's a ABC or a CBS or uh, or Fox, I mean, Fox is the one that's the, the quiet one in this one, Kartik. Could Fox... Uh, step in here and shock everyone and come back with the Premier League. What do you think? Well, I, I've actually been high, as you know, higher than you on <laughs> the Discovery high. Plus. Uh, All right, the Discovery, yeah, uh, the Discovery Plus uh, possibility for a while. I mean, I thought that they were uh, they were a sleeper sitting out there that could get it. That is a good point by CT Blues about the OTA access, which I always seem to forget when I tout this idea of Discovery Plus getting uh, – um, uh, uh, the rights because the best they could do for it would be discovery channel which is in a lot of homes but it's still a cable channel right there's no over-the-air broadcast network option connected to discovery networks and even now uh with the time warner thing it would be uh, uh tnt and tbs which i think are probably i don't know what's in more homes discovery or tnt but they're about the same probably but they're not in as many homes as nbc or uh abc or cbs now Fox, you mentioned that's um, yeah. I think it's possible. I, I know people who listen to this podcast. A lot of people may not want to hear it. I, I'm I'm actually very open to it now, given how NBC's covered the league the last two or three years. I think maybe Fox would freshen things up, uh, and they have a legacy with the league. But um, Fox, keep this in mind also, Chris. Fox Network is OTA. And you just read the numbers from the uh, from the Miami Cincinnati uh, match in MLS, but they are still not in as many homes uh, as the, the the three ma- what I call the three major networks or the three legacy networks. And there's still like their affiliate channels aren't as mainstream, right? If you watch local news in in a in a in a, in a, in a major market, you're likely watching an ABC, CBS, or NBC affiliate, not a Fox affiliate. So there are still while. Uh, younger people say, well, there are four major networks that are OTA. I still think there's built-in advantages for ABC, CBS, and NBC over Fox. But Fox does give you OTA in a way that, obviously, the Discovery Plus combination, which would be Discovery, TNT, TBS, does not. So, yeah, because I don't – I mean, we're, we're speculating here, but we don't know um, – that I don't know that NBC isn't checking out of sports completely. So I, I, I'll tell you, maybe this is, maybe we need to do a whole podcast on this. But um, there was a previous point in time when Dick, Dick Ebersol, who I think everybody knows, was the head of NBC Sports, also was one of the brains behind Saturday Night Live, one of the brains behind uh, news programs at NBC at times, um, where Dick Ebersol thought, you know, rights were too much. And um, we're just going to forget showing live sports unless it's something that, uh, that that we can we can really afford. Now they did break the bank for the NFL. And this this actually the period I'm talking about is when uh, NBC let NFL go right, rights go uh, and NBA rights go in the past. They've never gotten NBA rights back. But if you see what's happened the last 12 to 18 months, Chris, with the exception of uh, the U.S. Open golf USGA tournaments going back to NBC from Fox, 
uh, and they never should have left NBC, in my opinion. But you're seeing IndyCar, you're seeing Formula One. That goes a little further back. You're seeing NHL now. I know there are other things I'm 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 forgetting that are leaving NBC, and nothing coming in the other way. So I am not convinced NBC is going to go to the mat to keep the Premier League. Now, if they still believe in live sports, they are because it's the one property they have. Uh, that that left that's for renewal big time property that they can build peacock around but uh, and drive peacock signups but i'm beginning to get the sense that they might be checking out of uh live sports completely except for things that fall on their lap outside well, of the nfl and and the olympics you mean the, the olympics, olympics is kind olympics, of the crown jewel of course, of course. yeah, yeah but even okay so wimbledon's another thing that's gone right from nbc there's just all these things they've lost uh through the years they still have a lot of golf uh, more golf than they ever had, actually, because of Comcast and the Golf Channel. But, um, yeah, I, I, auto racing, they, 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 they've taken a major step back the last few years. And, and, obviously, they've never gotten back into baseball or basketball. College football, they're just down to Notre Dame. College basketball, they're down to, like, second right. and third-tier conferences. Yeah. I think those, they, they might be getting points. out of the sports business. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned before, too, you started to mention that uh, – uh, you have to be high to think about Fox. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I cut you off. No, mid- no, no, I said I was high on Discovery Plus. I oh, I thought you, it was, you were high on, on Fox yeah, Sports. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I, it, I, I've been higher on Discovery Plus. I know you and I disagree. <laughs> you didn't think they were a serious player for Premier League Lights. I've thought since they launched they would be. I still think they are, but CT Blues makes a good point. They don't have an OTA component, so, so Kantik, uh, Premier League would have to be satisfied with TNT, basically. So, Kartik, maybe I'm tired, or maybe, maybe I don't know, lack of caffeine or something. But I, I'm I could be high on Fox Sports <laughs> because you I mean you talk about the streaming wars, and you have you, you've got talks about I mean Amazon Prime and Apple TV and HBO Max and Netflix, Paramount Plus, ESPN Plus, all these. Diff- I mean, there's a whole bunch of others too. On top of that, Peacock. The one that's missing in all this conversation is Fox. And Fox does have a streaming platform, which is called Tubi, which is a, a free ad-supported uh, platform, very similar to uh, Pluto TV, uh, which is part of Viacom CBS. So it is something that they have. They're adding some original programming to it. Um, but what it is missing, which Fox has been known for for you know, the longest time, is sports. And yes, <clears throat> at the same time, I mean, Fox, I mean, FS1 and FS2, uh, the ratings aren't great by any means. I mean, actually, FS2 looks like it might be going the way of NBCSN in the future and perhaps would be would be closed or shut down, perhaps. But right now, it's a good overflow channel where they, if they have something that doesn't fit on FS1, they can put it on FS2, but the numbers are really small. But there's a good chance. There's a chance that Fox could make a massive move here and say, you know what, let's go back to soccer. Uh, and this would be the perfect lead-in to the World Cup, 2026 World Cup. Imagine what they could do if they started broadcasting the Premier League and they had MLS, and they had continue, continue to renew the MLS deal. Uh, and having that, those are, I mean, on the English language side, uh, the two most popular soccer leagues and trying to build up the audience, trying to really drive home the message in that lead up to the World Cup in 2026. Of course, they have the 2022 World Cup too. Um, what a great announcement that would be, you mean, to talk about and actually promote their coverage. But I just don't know if they have the money. I'm sure they have the money, but I just don't know if they're willing to take that, that gamble. So I also have to mention, I did watch two Liga Mekis, uh 
playoff matches, crossover playoff matches on uh, FS1 this past week because uh, they have the rights to three teams uh, uh, in in Liga MX, and two of them happen to play each other: Santos Laguna and uh, uh, and Monterrey. So uh, they they are still. That that's the most popular league period in the United States, right? So they've still got a foot in that door. They've obviously got MLS. Uh, if they were to grab the Premier League and look, Two B is a streaming service you can get on uh, Roku, Apple TV. It's it's like right, it's like Pluto TV. You just have to sign up. It's free. There's ads, uh, but they have a lot of a library of free movies. It's kind of like the uh, IMBD TV thing you get on uh, amazon prime for free um so it's 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 there so they do actually have a streaming service they just haven't gotten into live sports on there but this could be this could be a play i think it's possible i still like the discovery plus thing i think they are going to make a bid i was pretty sure discovery was going to make a bid anyway uh that's again you and i disagreed on that um the um but the uh um the, the, the question was also um, wh- wh- where would they wh- where would they air those games? Now they've got the possibility of TNT and TBS. So um, the other big question, Chris, this is a this is a huge thing. I, I know we're going long on this, but um, TBS, TNT, and USA Network are three networks that have similar programming. There is, I think, a discernible impact on those channels viewership because of streaming services because the same law and order type dramas uh syndicated shows rerun shows and movies old movies that quite frankly i would rely before netflix and 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 amazon prime were were things i would rely i would be checking tnt to see oh my gosh when are they going to show the star star wars movies again um same thing usa has had their back to the future movies end up because of universal right nbc universal ended up on uh on um uh usa network a lot i would be checking now that i have those streaming services i don't i don't ever turn those channels on uh i mean maybe usa on sunday because they're going to show a premier league match so I'm wondering if an, uh, NBC, in order to boost USA, and now this uh, Discovery Turner collab- or Discovery Time Warner uh, mer- uh, collaboration, in order to boost TNT and TBS, are going to need more live sports. We see that with the hockey move by Time Warner. So maybe NBC needs the Premier League to boost USA. Um, similarly, or Discovery thinks that they can boost Turner, uh, the Turner Networks, by doing that. So that's. Um, keep an eye on that because just think about it. Their, their programming for those three channels is very similar to what uh, uh, is on Netflix and Amazon Prime. And I cannot imagine those channels still have the viewership they did 10 years ago. I just I just think it's impossible to imagine that they do. Yeah. So, so I think the chances of NBC renewing this deal with the Premier League are very high. I would probably say it's a 60% chance that it's likely that uh, NBC will re- renew the rights. Um, but again, too, the Premier League is in a very difficult place right now where they have the big six knocking on their door saying, hey, we need more money. We're threatening to – I mean, yes, they've threatened to go to the European Super League. But I'm sure privately there's additional pressure to say, hey, uh, what have you done for me lately? And we've seen that in the UK with the renewal of the current deal, the Sky Sports um, BT Sport and Amazon deal is that they, they they just renewed the same deal that they have now because I, I don't think they were the very confident that they'd be able to get a lot more money and a lot more distribution. So um, they're in a critical juncture 
uh, a junction uh, in the UK where streaming is part of the future, but it's not there quite yet. I think in the US it's different. I think the streaming side of things is much further along and more competitive. And um, I, th- I think CBS uh, and Paramount Plus is the one that's going to give the Premier League um, or I give NBC a really tough uh, bidding war here where CBS will come in strong to try to acquire those rights because ultimately Paramount Plus they're very very bullish on they see that as being the future of um, of streaming and sports is a massive part of that with you know, March Madness with the NFL with all the programming that they have original programming and you mean CBS as a, as a great brand uh, if they could get the Premier League and put many of those games on streaming, but then you know on CBS Sports Network or CBS over the air from time to time, have some of those games on television, that's a major play. And um, then, then you mean NBC's practically out of the soccer game, and it's ESPN with La Liga, it's Fox with MLS, and it's CBS with a combination of different leagues. But it's really the Premier League one there, and then Liga MX at the um, at the Univision side, and, and uh, Telemundo with with uh, Chivas. That's how I see it playing out, Kartik. If you had to make a prediction right now, which that's the thing, things can change so quickly. Um, what would you say? Who do you think it's going to go to, Premier League? Premier League, I think NBC probably keeps it. But again, I'm beginning to think maybe they're done with live sports. I I do think, though, the USA, the USA thing I just interjected might be if they they need the programming for USA, which I think they do, uh, that might that might prompt them to do it. I, I think more so than Peacock, because Peacock seems to be or maybe they'll recommit themselves to keep Peacock, Chris, but the, this is a, a topic for another show, so I don't want to get too deep into it. But Peacock, we're not the only ones who've noticed it, it's been cl- it's been kind of clunky compared to the other streaming services, compared to the Hulus and the Paramount Pluses and the Amazon Primes. There is a general industry consensus right now that the rollout was poor and that maybe NBC is taking a bath on it. So um, it depends whether they want to recommit to that in terms of live programming. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say 60% also. So that's that's the right percentage. That sounds about right. And it, of the other forty, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the, of the other forty, the ch- the biggest chunk is Discovery Plus and Fox, not Ooh. CBS. Ooh, wow. Okay. All right. Two more. Discovery Plus first, Fox second. So like twenty percent Discovery Plus, maybe like twelve percent uh, Fox. Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe like 8% Fox, 4% CBS, and then uh, 8% other, okay. which would include ESPN. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. All right, listeners, we've got two more comments to go, and that's uh, Jeff. Jeff says, is there any chance that ESPN Plus would expand their coverage of the premi- uh, of the championship? Uh, one to two games a weekend, limited to a few top teams. Seems like a missed opportunity. I would love to follow a, a lower-tier t- lower team and try to follow them to promotion gro- glory or watch a team like Derby County fall into potential relegation. What would keep them from showing all games... Every game has announcers, don't they? What is the cost to a service um, to stream a game? So, um, like production costs. I mean, to actually go to a stadium and kind of have a, I mean, kind of a low, I mean, but televise a game. I mean, ballparks of I mean, one hundred fifty thousand dollars and up to do a single game. Um, but but the issue here, Jeff, is not so much ESPN Plus or or the uh, English Football League. 
it, it is that uh, each of the clubs in the football league, so the Championship, League One, League Two, uh, have their own streaming services, have their own streaming packages. So if you want to follow Derby County, uh, you can see Derby on ESPN Plus maybe once or twice a month, maybe on ESPN Plus. But if you want to see every single game, home and away, you can, you can go directly to the Derby County website and then subscribe to their streaming service. Uh, for me personally, like Swansea City, Swansea has Swans TV. So I subscribe and pay, gosh, I think it's like $250 a year, a season. Uh, talk about... Um, price shock but to, to watch every single home and away game through swans tv the games that are on espn plus are not on swans tv so i have to have actually I have to have two subscriptions in order to watch every single game and um there's uh, the efl the english football league has a service called i follow so for those clubs that don't have their own streaming packages you can subscribe to uh i follow for any of those teams and then uh, see home and away games and yes there's match commentary um so so that's the current deal that's in place it's actually kind of a, a little bit of friction between uh the broadcasters and the league I'm, I'm sure espn plus would love to show more games but at the same time the english football league and those clubs know that um they uh, those clubs cannot oftentimes get more money just by streaming their game themselves and, and getting more of that money uh in their pockets rather than uh, paying you know, ESPN Plus to show some of those games, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, and this is partly due again to the Premier League and uh, most most deliberately the, the the top six clubs not sharing money down the pyramid. I follow is a direct result of the Premier League's greed, that, and that's my that's my take on it. By the way, uh, Jeff, next season I plan to follow the Championship much more. Knock on effect of the uh, well, I follow the Championship pretty closely already. Uh, I, I plan to follow League One and League Two more closely next season. A knock on effect of the Super League is that I uh, uh, my my Premier League viewing have my English football league viewing habits are going to change in terms of less Premier League more more League One League Two probably the same intake of the championship so uh, but I follow the cost of that is d- directly and of the like Swans TV directly attributable to the fact that those clubs need to monetize TV revenue because they're not getting any TV revenue from the top flight unlike what happens in Germany and Spain. Yeah, and, and Sky Sports will show a game now and again, but it's pretty pretty rare that your team will be on Sky Sports. So you're not getting a lot of revenue that way. Um, and also, you I mean players' wages have gone up. So for the, a lot of these clubs, like in the Championship, as one example, uh, I think all of the clubs are in the um, are losing money except for two. Uh, and this is as of last season, the two clubs in the Championship that actually made a profit last season were Huddersfield Town and Swansea City, and those are only two. In Swansea, most of the money that they made to actually uh, to go into the positive side of the uh, column was from player sales, from selling some of their best players to Tottenham Hotspur and, and other clubs. Last but not least, uh, Roberto says, uh, Chris, you said during a recent podcast that um, US VAR in Major League Soccer misses some calls. It may be that the way the games are called by the referees is because of a conscious decision by Major League Soccer to let the refs decide and keep the game flowing. The Premier League VAR has been a major joke this year. Some turf on the toe of a boot can lead to an offside call. 
and it takes them too long to decide. So both may need tweaking. I prefer the Major League Soccer version. It keeps the game moving and will balance out over the season. No teams have really complained much, not like in the UK, where hours are spent talking about VAR almost every week. And uh, Roberto, uh, my, my take on this is that I think I prefer the, the Bundesliga way that they've done VAR, which seems to be that they're getting more of the correct decisions um, made correctly uh, through the use of VAR. Uh, MLS, I do like that they don't uh, intervene too much into the games, um, and it is more free-flowing. But at the same time, it gets really frustrating when you, when you see something that happens on the pitch that the VAR officials obviously are seeing the same footage and see uh, a blatant a mistake, and yet they're giving a lot of power to the referee uh, on the pitch to make that ultimate call, it seems. But, but, but to me, I mean, in terms of kind of comparing the Premier League VAR uh, to Major League Soccer VAR or the implementation of VAR, I, th- I think in many ways it's almost like, uh, is it better to, uh, to air your dirty laundry in public or private? Um, more, compl- more people would complain about VAR in Major League Soccer if we could see or hear the decisions being made, but they're being made in private between the booth and the referee. And part of, pr- probably part of the issue, actually a major issue with the English football is that they're making the, the decisions in front of our own eyes. So we see them drawing the lines and agonizing over the most minute of details in real time. We're seeing that happen. Uh, while with Major League Soccer, you mean maybe they're not looking as closely and just letting things go. Uh, I prefer that, but at the end of the day, I'd, I'd prefer to have no VAR at all, except for just uh, goal line technology. Um, but I don't think that Major League Soccer has got it right either. Um, but there's been a lot of people that have been praising Major League Soccer about how wonder- while it's been going and how wonderful it is. And the games I've watched, I've seen some blatant mistakes happening. And I'm like, what's the point of having VAR if you're not going to use it? It just does not make any sense. All right, all right, listeners, we want you to have your say. This has been a long episode, but it has been really, really uh, well, um, some great feedback and, and some great uh, debate. We want you to let us know what you want to, uh, what, what we should talk about in future episodes in terms of uh, questions or comments or observations or disagreements or agreements. Uh, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik heading into another weekend of football. Um, the, my match of the week I'm recommending is going to be Saturday. You, you talked earlier in the podcast about, about um, being depressed about the current state of football and about how the Goliaths are seemingly winning everything at the, at the last stage. I think that uh, it's going to be wonderful, hopefully, if Atleti, Atletico Madrid on Saturday uh, can beat um, uh, Valladolid in the game that's on being Sports en Español on Saturday at noon, I believe it is. Uh, and if they can win that one, they win the La Liga title. What about you, Kartik? What's your game to watch this weekend? Well, well, thank goodness for Luis Suarez because I, I, Atleti looked done 80 minutes in the other day. And, uh, yeah, that was adding to the depression. And then they got those two late goals, and, and uh, uh, they're still ahead of Real Madrid. But, I, yeah, I, I'm uh, 
I, I'm concerned about this via the league match. Uh, my match to watch is Atalanta and AC Milan. Atalanta cannot be overtaken. Uh, I mean, I guess th- there's some permutation where they could fall to fifth, but very, very unlikely. Uh, 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 Milan win. Actually, a draw in this match, and Juventus is out of Champions League if Napoli were to win as well. So uh, wow. that is really interesting. Juventus has won the Coppa Italia, defeating Atalanta, which is another thing, point of depression. But if Juventus misses Champions League, we know they're one of the teams that needed the Super League, and that's why they haven't withdrawn yet, right? Yeah. Um, they, they, they need the money. So what happens? Cristiano Ronaldo is going to leave if they're not in Champions League. What happens to Pirlo, this experiment of changing the way they play in order to be more competitive in Europe? Well, maybe they're playing slicker football, but they're not going to be in Europe to, to, to play with their slicker football. Um, the ramifications, uh, if Juventus misses Champions League, are massive, and so I'm hoping that happens because, again, I'm for uh, the Davids against the Goliaths. So Atalanta, Milan on Sunday, if there is a draw in that match, uh, Juventus is and Napoli gets the appropriate result. I don't have the table in front of me. Napoli needs to win, or they just need to draw. I think. Um, uh, but whatever the case, that's my that's my match to watch. And maybe if you have ESPN uh, Plus, do the multicast for for <laughs> for Serie A matches. Yeah, and and if you're not sure what multicast is or not sure how to use it on ESPN Plus, go to our uh, YouTube page. So we have uh, YouTube.com/slash World Soccer Talk. And uh, we've got a how-to video that shows you how to use uh, multicast on ESPN+, Plus, which it will change your life. <laughs> Absolutely, if you're a soccer fan that likes to watch many games at once. All right, Kartik, heading into another weekend. Um, the final weekend for a lot of the European leagues uh, of a long season. It's been enjoyable. It's not over yet. But what should they do? Enjoy your football. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.